Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ago, we were alerted by our client, the Federation of the Sisters of St. Joseph, Catholic nuns. Um, As a meeting planning company, we were asked to find a hotel that fought sex trafficking um, for them to hold their meeting at. We were intrigued. Um, We were confused because we really didn't know that sex trafficking was happening here in the United States. And as a meeting planning company, we realized we had the professional resources to make an impact on this. As the mother of a 12-year-old daughter at the time, the average age of entry into the sex trade is between 12 and 14 years old. Um, this had a real effect on us at um, NICS, and we decided that we had to take action against it and alert hotels that children were being sold for sex by pimps in their very hotel. Okay, let me get this straight. So you work for a company that plans meetings for bigger companies and organizations. And in this process, you were contacted by the the Catholic nuns because they wanted to schedule their meeting someplace that was actually trying to do something to um, forestall or improve uh, the situation with sex trafficking. Completely out of the blue. You'd never thought about this before? We had never thought about it before. We didn't look for it. We didn't know that it happened. Um, It wasn't in front of our eyes, or actually it was. We just didn't know what to look for. As a traveler, you go into a hotel to stay there, to have a meeting, um, and to have good food. You don't go there looking for um, a child that can't make eye contact, who's dressed a little too provocatively, who's being checked in by someone else without luggage and paying for cash, and you certainly don't think that a person is going to buy that child for sex in the sleeping room of a hotel that you're staying in. Yeah, we just we don't think of it, do we? We just think that it's something that's somewhere else, some other country, certainly not ours. And yet, as we do more and more reading and as we get more and more exposure about it, in fact, it's happening a lot right in our own country, especially in the coastal areas, but I guess also in inland. So this request kind of took you from out of the blue, came to you out of the blue. How did you process that request? How did you find out uh, in order to meet the need for the group of nuns initially? Well, honestly, we Googled it. 
And when we <laughs> did, it was that simple. Who doesn't Google uh, sex yeah. trafficking in the United States? And it was shocking. It was disturbing, and it's in our backyard, and it's in your backyard, and it's in every listener's backyard. It is something that's occurring everywhere. Um, I pulled up probably 25 or 30 articles on stories of people selling kids for sex, traveling them across state lines, um, you know, they're the torture and the torment, and then you start pulling up statistics on sex trafficking, and it's been around for years and years, but really has just come to the forefront more so, I believe, in the last five years. What are some of the other misconceptions about sex trafficking in the United States? I mean, the first one is obviously that, oh, no, it doesn't happen here. Um, What are some of the other misconceptions? Um, that this doesn't happen in my neighborhood. These are not just throwaway kids that they find at the bus stop after 48 hours of running away. Um, These are kids in the suburbs. There's no socioeconomic boundary. There's no geographic boundary for where this is going to happen. The predators are coming into the children's rooms through the Internet, and it's very easy to make false promises and manipulations, telling them they could be a model, a singer, a dancer. And so um, it's very easy to manipulate a 12-year-old child and promise them a situation better than what they're in. Even if their situation's yeah. very good, they can make it seem so much better. Um, I well, don't and what, think excuse we, me, but what 12-year-old doesn't think mom and dad are horrible and oppressive and awful and the world is better out somewhere else, you know. I mean, that's just the the way adolescents are. You know, they think that exactly. the living conditions they have and the restrictions and everything are just horrible and, you know, just awful. And it would be, I could see where it would be very easy to manipulate somebody like, you know, who is at that vulnerable age. So this is happening, it starts with the Internet. I mean, I always kind of envisioned it, okay, the girls are giggling down at the mall, you know, at the, the cheap earring store, and, and they're approached there. Does, is that an old uh, approach, or um, no. does that still happen? Or? That's accurate. They are at malls. They are at bus stops. Um, and they are coming through the Internet. If your child can't shake the hand and look into the eyes of a person that they're friends with on Instagram, on Kick, on Facebook, on Snapchat, then you don't know who they're talking to, and neither do they. That person who looks like a 13-year-old boy who's trying to talk to them about school could be a 60-year-old man um, trying to lure them in and get information out of them. The other mis conception is that we think of a pimp um, as either a man or woman. These are mothers. These are fellow cheerleaders. These are football players from the school. Wait a minute. Are you kidding me? You're saying that these are not some dark, hooded, slinky, uh, nefarious characters. These are people we encounter in our daily lives who are actually pimping out children? Absolutely. Absolutely. They go to their schools. They do security for their schools. You never know who's recruiting your child or who could potentially be selling your child. It's oh it's gosh. absolutely devastating. So there, again, there's there's no stereotype for a pimp anymore. Wow. 
So how on earth do the police, I mean, how do they manage to control it when it's such a, um, you know, I mean, I, I and I, it sounds like this is where where you have come in. So let's back up. I always get ahead of myself in these conversations because <laughs> my brain works faster than my mouth sometimes. Um, so you were approached, and uh, this uh, was brought. This issue was brought to your attention. You Googled because you wanted to try and find a, a hotel for the nuns. What did you find when you Googled? Are there hotels we, out there, or were there at the time that were trying to do something about this issue? At the time, um, the Hilton Hotels and the Carlson Hotels, which are your Ramadas, had signed this ECPAT, E-C-P-A-T, and Child Pornography and Trafficking um, Code of Conduct for Child Protection. Um, that's actually, it's called the code.org. It was started in Thailand. The headquarters is in Thailand. And this Child Protection Code of Conduct is six criteria for hotels to sign and commit to training their staff on the red flags of sex trafficking in their hotel, um, stating um, publicly that they are against child trafficking somewhere in the hotel so that when, when Johns come in to purchase a child or when traffickers come in to sell a child, it's somewhere in plain sight that they see that this hotel will not tolerate sex trafficking. And then there are other criteria as well. Um, we had found that Carlson Hotels and Hilton Hotels had signed. Um, our goal was to get another brand of hotel to sign. And we were able to work with the Millennium Hotel in St. Louis at the time. Um, and they agreed and signed the Code of Conduct. And so we had therefore gotten another hotel on board. As meeting planning company, we wanted to sign the code of conduct too because we weren't just walking in buying one hotel room. We were walking in with, you know, millions of dollars for this hotel and um, hundreds of rooms and thousands of rooms in, in one stay. Um, and Ekpat said, uh, you know, you're not a hotel. So we worked with um, the code.org in Thailand and Ekpat USA and created the meeting planner's code of conduct. So the other meeting planners, when they go into the hotels, they can say, we're not booking our business here unless you have trained your staff on the red flags of sex trafficking. Um, we did that in 2011. And things have just really escalated from there. We, we're still making an impact. We still talk to every hotel um, that we utilize and inform them of child sex trafficking and make sure they train their staff before we use their property. Then the so next what step time, came. Oh, you'll go ahead. Keep going. You're doing um, Keep Then going. the next step came. Um, we were published in CNN. They had heard that we were a meeting planning company and we were working to fight sex trafficking, and they got wind that um, during our Google searches, we started seeing girls being sold for sale on a website called Backpage.com. It's the tricycle of selling children online, in my opinion. Um, it's very easy. What do you mean format by that? The tricycle. Um, you can go to Singapore, you can go to Chile, you can go to London, and you can go to St. Louis, Missouri, and you can click on the same place um, on the same format formatted website and you can buy somebody for sex some person there are different things to choose but no matter where you are in the world it's the same format you know where to find a place to buy a person for sex on that website 
Well, if the customers know where to find that, how come the authorities don't know how to find it and shut it down? Backpage is a whole nother interview. <laughs> it is. Um, it is. They've been working again on getting Backpage shut down for years. Um, they were forced to take their adult section down recently. However, that doesn't mean that people being sold from that website is gone. They just moved to a different location. Um, and when you say people being sold, you mean like hiring a prostitute kind of sold or like literally slavery sold? No, like hiring a prostitute sold. It was an escort section. Now it's in man for woman and the girls and the boys are still online. Um, they still say if you suspect human trafficking, report this photo. They still do nothing about it. And they're still hundreds of girls in each city being sold on those that website. So it's not shut down, even though they claimed that it was. Huh. So I found Backpage, and we found girls being sold. But what we didn't realize we would know is that we recognized the hotel rooms that the kids were being sold in. Oh, my gosh. I could tell what brand hotel that was. I could tell what hotel it was by the landmarks outside of the window. And we realized we could call law enforcement and say, I know what hotel that is. I know where that girl's being sold out of. Um, this had kind of blown okay, up. I'm going to stop you we... right here because that, okay. that amazes me. I have been in my share of hotel rooms, and they kind of all look alike uh, to a certain extent. Um, I mean, I suppose if you go to the you know $1,000 night hotels, they're something very distinctive. But how could you possibly recognize a hotel room? A lot of them use the same linens. A lot of them use the same designs in the room. A lot of them have the same carpet, the same chair, the same curtains. And then if you're fortunate enough to get a picture with a landmark outside of the window or perhaps the hotel door or perhaps there's that one distinguishing thing, a lot of hotels use photographs of their local area in their sleeping rooms and in their hotels to show the history of the area. Um, you can recognize this online. It's actually um, easier than you would think. Wow. If you stay in a hotel and you see the same, um, you know, the same bed skirt and the same throw and the same headboard enough, and as a travel company we travel pretty much, we were able to see these hotels and identify so them. you're you're throwing away you're you're knocking out a few myths for us already. The first is the myth that this happens somewhere else, not in the United States, and certainly not in my neighborhood. Um, the second one is that um, <laughs> that you know I, I mean maybe other people knew this. I, I think I probably did know this, but not as specifically that you can actually go online and and do this. But the third one is that these are nice hotels. I mean, I'm assuming that you're not booking conventions at Joe's Motel down the down the lane. You're talking hotels that we know the names of and that we know the chains and all that kind of stuff. Is that correct. right? Am I hearing you right? That is absolutely yeah. correct. I think the case yeah. that a lot of people don't associate with sex trafficking because they just don't use the word in the case, but we all know about is Jared Fogel purchasing a 16-year-old at the Ritz-Carlton in the Waldorf in New York. We all heard and the he case. Was, they all he read was the a, hotel he was name. A subway guy. 
Jared yes, Fogle was the, the subway guy, guy. Made his fortune by losing weight because he only ate subways or sandwiches or something. Um, exactly. And he was busted for this, and I think he's in prison right now, is he not? He is. He is, but, I mean, that while the word sex trafficking wasn't used, that's exactly what that was, and that happens right there. You know, it, again, it just validates no stereotype of a John or a Trick, someone purchasing um, a child. The child was 16 years old, so it was not an adult, and it was in a popular upscale hotel in a large city. So I think wow. that is that absolutely validates everything we talk about as well. Mm-hmm. Now, when you say the age sixteen, I have a friend I, 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 who did her her PhD research on police response. I hope I'm not butchering this too much, badly, but her area of interest was police response to young girls who are arrested for prostitution. And her um, whole thing was investigating when did they recognize that these girls were being trafficked and when did they just assume that these were girls who'd made a choice to be prostitutes at, at that age, 15 or 16. She said, uh, I, if, and again, I hope I'm quoting her correctly, um, I believe in her research she said that what she found with certain police is that if they were very young, the police officers would kind of think, well, you know, maybe this is trafficking. But if they were in that 15, 16 age group, they tended to more to think more along the lines of that this was a choice and they would arrest the girls for prostitution. And rather than trying to channel them to services to help, they just booked them and, and treated them as if this was a life choice for the girl. I always found that area of research that she was doing fascinating because so much pivoted on just one person's perception of this young person. When you say Jared Fogle was a 16-year-old, I wonder how many people read about that or heard about that and was just kind of assuming that this was a a 16-year-old who chose to do a, you know prostitution rather than someone who had been trafficked. Can you explain the difference? Is is there a difference? What? How? How can people who have not been involved in this understand um, when it's trafficking and when it's a bad decision, or is it always trafficking? How do you know? A 16-year-old cannot make a decision to do sex work or not to do sex work. If someone is selling that child, if that child has a pimp and a 16-year-old is a child, and a 17-year-old is a child. And just because you've had your 18th birthday, even though the law changes um, and it's not considered sex trafficking, you have to prove sex trafficking. So anyone under, 17 or under, if they are being sold, that pimp is charged for trafficking, and you do not need to prove force, fraud, or coercion. For if you've had your 18th birthday, you are still a child, oh, and gosh, you still yes. cannot make reasonable decisions. Um, yeah. and you know, my, so, Kimberly, my, my sister raised three children, and she always used to say they don't turn into human beings until they're 25. That I believe and I, that and I, agree I, with that completely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just because we set this arbitrary age of 18 or even 21, as it used to be in many areas, it doesn't. They're not fully cooked yet. They're they're just not fully cooked, and uh, and yet they're out making decisions that can impact them for the rest of their lives. But when my understanding with sex trafficking is, it doesn't have to be a child. That there are many adult 
men and women who are are trafficked. Am I right about that one too? And I apologize for my ignorance about this field. Uh, um, I I really do, but maybe some of our listeners are as ignorant as I am, so these questions aren't, you know, um, too silly. But it, 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 we're talking because of the Jared Fogel thing. We're talking about a young girl, but these, it, you don't have to be a teenager to be trafficked, right? That is correct, and many girls fall into this downward spiral and you don't like we said 18 19 20 23 whatever your age is if you're given the promise um, everyone wants to believe everyone is trying to help them but that might be come and be a model but the problem is is then they say you need to relax a little bit snort this shoot this take this it it'll it will relax you. And today, heroin, you can take it, you can snort it, you can smoke it, you can shoot it. You don't know what heroin is. Um, it can look like something else these days. So you're not even sure what you're taking. The pimps are great at getting the girls addicted to drugs. Um, they're great at threatening to harm their family members if they go back. They make promises and and a lot of girls fall in love with their pimps. They believe that they're going to be with them forever and that they're just doing this um, to help them make a little money so they can go and live the life they want to live. And then they don't know how to get out. They don't know how to live with the shame. And it's easier to live that life than it is to face what has happened to them. Or they're simply addicted to drugs and they cannot get out. They cannot get out. Well, they need the drugs. Yeah. Well, and I understand what you mean about the shame. I think that we live in a society right now that likes to verbalize how we're not judgmental, but in fact we are extremely judgmental and victim-blaming. Um, uh, that That's my take on it. I don't know whether you agree with that or not. And so it would seem to me that the shame would be tremendous and that if you did, if you did find yourself in that situation and you wanted to go to family or former friends or whatever to try and get some assistance, I suspect that you'd face a bit of um, uh, shunning and um, uh, victim blaming and, you know, um, accusations. Uh, that's my assumption. Are you? Do you see that as well? I actually see, especially for the younger kids, the 15 and 16-year-olds, the parents just want their kids back. Their kids have oh, run well, away. Yeah. They've, they've gone off. They're, you know, they're just hoping. But, you know, back and back to that, they're not child prostitutes. They're children who are yeah. prostituted. And law yeah. enforcement needs to see that. And anyone who is helping a child or sees a child or comes in contact or knows if this has happened to a child, there is no victim blaming. That child was taken and manipulated and is not able to make that kind of a decision. When you're when you're older, you would think, why don't why didn't you run? You know, you're you were 19 years old, you were 20 years old. You know, the, the <laughs> Stockholm syndrome, the post traumatic stress disorder. There's so many issues that occur once this has happened. Um, a, a lot of people do look at them as prostitutes, but what they're not understanding is that because they're at that birthday party stripping or because they are on this website being sold and posing like they are enjoying it, the, 
they probably have a quota. And if they don't make that quota for that night, their pimp is going to beat them. Their pimp is not going to give them the drugs that they need. Um, and let them get dope sick, there is going to be some kind of punishment if you're not making your quota. So you're going to look like you enjoy this, whether you want to or not. But they are being controlled. These people are not doing this of their own free will. Um, And it's hard for law enforcement, even though I have to say so many law enforcement um, are more engaged in this and more um, aware that this is happening and that these aren't just prostitutes. They're people who are prostituted. So their eyes are really opening up. While it's not everyone yet, we're getting there. Um, mm-hmm. but, but it's important for people to realize they are being forced to do this. Well, Kimberly, we talked a lot about the problem, and I've learned a lot about the problem and what it means and where it is, but I want to get back to the hotel rooms. I am just gobsmacked to think that this isn't happening in some alley somewhere, that this could be happening in some fancy hotel I may have saved up money for my vacation to be able to stay in, you know what I mean? And I want to know how that, what was your progression as an organization when you realized, looking at these pictures, that you could name what hotel that was? What happened then? After that, um, CNN picked up on it, USA Today, our local paper, and so the media kind of blew up. It was a great story. The Catholic sisters, the meeting planners, and the trafficking victims. I mean, it's it's something you that catches your eye that you want to read. So the media picked up, and all of a sudden, people from church groups started sending us pictures of girls on Backpage that they had prayed with, or FBI's had scrubbed pictures of child pornography or child trafficking and sent us the pictures to see if we knew what hotel these people were in. Um, it it really took over uh, the meeting planning business, so we ended up dividing the meeting planning business, and we created a group called the Exchange Initiative. Our organization, um, the Exchange Initiative, is there to educate and empower and engage people to form a common action so that we're all working together to fight this fight and walking in the same direction. We think there's more power if we're all working together. So the Exchange Initiative was formed in August of 2013, And we were still, you know, we're getting these pictures, and it's 5 o'clock on a Friday night, and a photo comes in. And um, a church group had called a girl on Backpage to pray with her, and they sent the picture. She was high. She didn't know what city she was in. She wanted out. She didn't know when the pimp was coming back. So everyone, you know, we're all looking at this photo. I'm I'm sorry to interrupt this great story, but... The church group went to Backpage, bought, quote-unquote, a girl in no, order to pray no. with her? No, they called the phone number. And when she answered the phone, they, oh. they, like, they called the phone number to make a date with her, but instead of making yeah. a date with her, they prayed with her instead. It was one of their ministries. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. All right. So um, it ended up that this was a one of the no-tell motels on the side of the road, one that we clearly don't do meetings in. Um, and so, But we were able to make contact with law enforcement, and law enforcement in St. Louis was able to contact um, the city that she was being sold in and um, work with their vice unit to go and rescue the girl. So, okay, so that was we, so they successfully tracked her down? Yes. So we realized, 
we don't work in every hotel and we don't know every hotel and we certainly don't know the motels. And we needed more photographs. If we just had a photograph, um, we could do this. And then we were talking, you know, the kids, everybody's using their smartphone. Now these smartphones are nothing but um, a camera. Nobody needs a camera anymore because you just click the pictures. And it just kind of dawned on us, why? Why can't people, why can't the soccer mom who's staying at the Super 8 take pictures of her hotel room and submit them to us? And then we could get this catalog of hotel rooms that we don't usually see. Or what if truck drivers could take pictures of hotels that they stay in or motels that they stay in for a quick couple hours of sleep? may not be your mainstream hotel. And then we could get photos of those hotels as well. And so um, we talked about it, and it became an idea. It was just an idea. Um, Again, the newspaper picked up on it, and we had no idea how we were going to do it. We had no idea how the technology was going to happen. We had no idea how the money was going to come in. But it was a good idea. So we kept talking about it. Um, we were fortunate enough to meet Abby Stanislaw with Washington University Media and Machines Lab, and she had read our story, and she said, I think we have the technology to make this happen. That was three years ago. And today we have worked with WashU, and we have created the traffic cam. The traffic cam okay, is now a mobile app. Okay, now when I app. think the word traffic cam, I think, oh, I just rolled through that stoplight on a right red uh, red light on a right <laughs> turn, and I'm going to get a ticket. What do you mean when you say traffic cam? It's spelled T-R-A-F-F-I-C-K-C-A-M. So it's like trafficking camera. Um, mm-hmm. So what you do is you download the app for free, thanks to a. Um, gift from the Congregation of the Sisters of St. Joseph. They gave us our first $100,000 matching gift, so every time someone makes a donation, it gets matched by them. And we were able to start the app. And you take four photos of your hotel room. They're downloaded into a secure database. While we do need the geolocation of the hotel rooms, we do not collect any other personal information. We, do not, we did not ask for that from Apple. We do not have permissions, but we do keep the geolocation. So a pimp or a trafficker can't change the location of your photo or their photo and make us think it's a different hotel. So the hotels come into the secure database, um, approved law enforcement, have access to the back end of those photos. What happens is law enforcement can now take a photo of a victim child sex trafficking, sex trafficking, or child pornography, whatever they may need it for. And they drop in into this database. And the database searches the 2.7 million photos of hotel rooms we have in there and pulls and identifies the most probable hotel room that victim's in. And you have that geolocation, so you can then... Determine. We know. You can search, um, they can search the back end by zip code and by area or by cities. 
they can just drop the photo in and let it pull across the entire United States. Um, there are several ways they can search. Wow. That is amazing. And then after that, how how frequently is this done? I mean, how many times um, a day does this database search a photo? You know, uh, how how often we, does this occur? How how well used is this? It is the back end is being beta tested right now by law enforcement. So we are just now extending past St. Louis. We had an influx, so we released the app the front end to the citizens of the United States last June. Um, and so we've been collecting photos. What we didn't expect was to have 2.7 million photos in the database, and it was slowing down our ability to search. But um, with some help and with some research, we were able to get the database up and running. I see it searching, and it will search fast enough. We weren't going to release something to law enforcement that was slow, that didn't look like it worked. So we have been working on it since then, and as of last Thursday, um, it's working like a charm, and we're moving on to our next group of law enforcement. In St. Louis, Missouri, we have the um, St. Louis County Human Trafficking Task Force under the direction of Commander Kavanaugh, and he and his um, unit have been using this. We have eight people in St. Louis just working on sex trafficking, which makes me wow very happy. Um, unfortunately, they're busy all the time, and that just shows you that every city um, and every county really needs to devote someone in law enforcement or a group of law enforcement agents to go on and to um, try and help find these girls and seek them out and rescue them and get them out of the game. So they have so been let the me beta get testers. Straight, okay. Yeah. That, let, me, let me get this straight because I'm not really hugely tech savvy. You released an app, somebody at the Washington University uh, Media Machines Lab, is it? Media and Machines um, Lab, yeah. Media and Machines. And they developed this app. You released this app um, a year or so ago, and people just started sending in the photographs. So you developed this huge database, um, but then you had to kind of work and hone and fine-tune um, how quickly it worked and how uh, uh, how accessible it was. You did all of this with just the St. Louis area? And yes. now, okay, so, and now you've kind of, so St. Louis was kind of your test case area. You've perfected it, and now you're ready to move on. You're not ready. It sounds like what you're not doing is making it just widely available to every police, uh, that you're kind of going um, place by place by place. Is that how you're having to do this? For the next few months, that's exactly what we're doing, um, just to make sure that the agencies we're working with, they know that this is still in beta testing. They know that we had an influx of photos, and so we're, we have a few more bugs to work out. We just need more people to use it, and then we will go nationwide. However, not everyone will be able to get on the back end. You will have to be an approved law enforcement agency to have access to this. Um, we don't yeah. want pimps getting on there and trying to find girls. Um, that may, they're girls that may have run. We don't want um, parents going on um, hoping to find their children. It needs to be done through law enforcement, well, and, so it and, will be law enforcement approved. Okay, and the reason you don't want these people on is because it will kind of jam everything up. Is that the, the deal? Or um, No, we don't. You need to go through law enforcement. Pimps are dangerous people. You're 
your kids being held, your people being held. It's a dangerous situation, and we don't want civilians going out ready to take action. This has to be handled. Trafficking incidents need to be handled by law enforcement only. Yeah. And that's why why the – okay. Yeah, I mean, and I can appreciate that, you know, that somebody might want to just race out. They see the, you know, the uh, they figure out what hotel their child might be at, and they would race out, and it could be a dreadful situation even more. Absolutely, I would. Make a dreadful situation even worse. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So I uh, went to the Exchange Initiative website at the traffic cam thing, and there's this really funny little-looking picture of a hotel room with yellow dots and peace symbols and signs, and it says traffic cam graphic. Do you know what I'm referring to? I'm going there now. Okay. Um, It is – so what happens is – the database actually picks up on points in the room, Um, kind of data points, so to speak. The system is very complex. But um, so what it's doing... Well, let's interrupt a little bit so that we can describe here. So what we're looking at is a photograph of just a regular old hotel room, the bed, a little chair, a little side table, a little desk area, Um, and there's a lamp, and the drapes are closed, and there's a little photo above the bed, and there's a headboard and a little uh, half bedspread kind of thing draped across the foot of the bed, just like any hotel room that you've ever seen. But scattered across it are little circles. Some of them are tiny, some of them are stacked, some of them are larger, some of them are much larger, and they have like little circles within them or little half bars or something like that. So we're looking at these little yellow circles, scattered across this hotel uh, room picture. Okay, so that's what we're seeing. So now, uh, Kimberly, tell us what this means. What are we looking at? Those are representations. So what those little circles are, I call them the polka dots, um, is they are actually data points, so to speak. They're representations. And they are pulled. um, They're the corners. They're the shadows. they're, um, They're what the program picks up and compares the victim photo to. So when you drop the victim photo into the database, when the law enforcement drops it in, it goes through all the photos you've submitted, and it pulls those same data points. It looks for it, searches for those circles, for those polka dots, and it pulls the different hotels that have the matching circles. And that eliminates a lot of hotels So you can go to the photo that looks the most like your hotel that your victim is in, and it will give you the location and the room number of that hotel. And the room number, they can be that specific. When you drop your photo, go ahead. I mean, all those hotel rooms look the same to me. Um, They do. That's amazing to me. Yeah. So how how can they distinguish if they're all decorated the same way? Because the citizens are taking care of that, because this is how the you know citizens of the U.S. can help us fight sex trafficking. When they go into the hotel, the hotel geolocates, it pulls up your hotel, and you put in your room number. And so there are occasions that um, you know we know that this is room 302, and 
that's what this room looks like. So you can you can tell if this is the correct room or if it's a different room, but maybe in the same hotel. And I think it's important to know, especially for anyone downloading this app, is that um, the pictures of the victims that have picked up the most at the traffic cam are the ones taken by um, our users, our app users. So the, okay. the photos that we take in our hotel rooms are the ones that pick up the most often and identify and match and match the most accurately. Okay. And again, I don't mean to be sick here, but I just want to make sure I understand this. So mm -hmm. anybody who downloads the app can take a picture of any hotel room they go to, hopefully many mm -hmm. of them, send it in to you guys, and you know it gets taken to your big, huge database where there are millions and millions of photographs. They get filed and logged, and you know, however, you know, the internet, however, however, technology does that magically. Then, right. when there is a photograph that shows a victim, whether it's a quote-unquote for sale kind of picture or whatever, then that picture gets shuffled into your database, compared, it, it sorts through all of these different empty rooms and says, bingo, that's probably this one, you know, Motel Sarah Lawrence in um, St. Louis. And then you notify police that there's a victim who may be or somebody may be using this hotel for trafficking, and then the police take it from there. Did I explain no. that correctly? The you okay. have it perfectly up until the police have access to the database. So the police take the photos they get from a pimp's phone that they've arrested, that they get off of the Internet. Um, the police take the photos and drop it into the database themselves, and uh. then they know where to go, or then they know where that victim is. Okay. All right. So what is um, Exchange Initiative's um, um, uh, role in, um, in this, just um, start, starting the database, making it happen? That's exactly right. We created, um, we thought of the app, we created it, we have the database where the photos come in, um, and we keep it up and running. We do all of the business end of it so that we can distribute it to the law enforcement agencies, um, and then the law enforcement agencies get access to it, and then they can use it for any crime they see fit. Oh, okay. All right. Great. All right, so, gosh, 2.7 million photos. How big is this going to get? That's such a good question. We wish we knew. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's amazing. We get literally hundreds of photos every single day. Every single day we have 250 or more photos. Without <laughs> change in the last year, we have never had less than 250 photos every single day. So there are people out there every day using this app, and it continues to grow. And the one question we get um, constantly is, when is it going international? Well, um, oh. we're not sure how that would happen yet, but right now we're working on perfecting it in the United States and getting it out to the hundreds of law enforcement agencies who have asked us for it. Um, because we were working out the bugs, we were letting law enforcement agencies call in and give us the photographs, and then we'd search it for them 
um, because it just wasn't running fast enough. And we had great results. Um, And law enforcement is very excited about this. And what that tells me is that if law enforcement is contacting us and asking us for access to the database, that they're aware that it's an issue and that they're treating it differently than they have in the past years. Um, which is really exciting to me. It means a change is coming and people are identifying it, um, identifying sex trafficking more than they were in the past. Yeah. Yeah, I, and, and I think there's a developing understanding. So you've, you've kind of talked about what's in the future um, for um, the, the traffic cam, but what other things is the Exchange Initiative doing? Is this the major focus, and there are other activities um, that you're doing to try and fight uh, trafficking, or is, has the Exchange Initiative become traffic cam? Uh, what, what, tell me why there are two different names um, and whether that means two different activities or what, what that, how that fits together. Um, the Exchange Initiative is Traffic Cam, and Traffic Cam is the Exchange Initiative. The Exchange Initiative created Traffic Cam. Traffic Cam is just okay. so widely searched. We created um, it's uh, the website where you can go and you can load photographs. So um, Traffic Cam is not the only thing that we do. Um, however, it is our major project right now, and we will perfect that before we move on. Um, but we do... Um, media and speaking engagements as well, traveling the United States, speaking at different um, organizations, or speaking to different organizations about sex trafficking, how it relates to corporations, why corporations should just do the right thing and join in. Um, And we are also working on some other projects. But we continue to work with and inform hotels across the country, across the globe, really, um, on the issue of sex trafficking, and that will continue for as long as the exchange initiative goes. We will always be communicating and focusing on these hotels. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how does this work? If I am a client and I want to have a meeting planner, say I'm Heather's Knitting Group International, and I have 500 people that, and we want to have a conference in Seattle, um, and I contact you and say, can you help us lock down rooms for our, and, and plan our meeting? Mm-hmm. At what point do you mention trafficking? Do you mention trafficking? Um, do you have individual meeting planners who are educated to do that? Uh, tell, walk me through it. I'm Heather's Knitting Group. I contact a meeting planner and say, we want to set up a meeting for 500 people in Seattle for next April. Um, that's wonderful, and we're happy to do that for you. We also bring... Uh, make you aware of our co- corporate social responsibility clause for next conference and meeting management. And that is that um, we utilize our professional resources to inform hotels of the issue of CSEC, commercial um, sexual exploitation of children, in hotels. When we send out a request for proposal for your group to hotels, our request, so if you have 500 people, I'm going to look for, you know, 20 hotels so we can compare them. All 20 of those hotels will receive a request for proposal from us that has an entire section on it that says, have you trained your staff on the red flags of human trafficking? Have you signed the Child Protection Code of Conduct? Would you like more information 
on hotels and child sex trafficking. And every hotel has to complete that before we'll put them in the mix to bid on your program. Now, of course, you have the you can say, oh, no, no, we don't want any of the sex trafficking stuff. Um, and we won't search it that way. However, that is our standard operating procedure, is to have that on every single request for proposal we send out to every single hotel across the globe. Okay. Okay, what if I say, well, I want uh, to schedule this at um, uh, Hillary's Hotel in Seattle. Uh, I specifically want that, but I need somebody to do all the arrangements and everything. But we want it at Hillary's Hotel. Would you then contact Hillary's Hotel and try to bring them up to speed? Or Absolutely. So a lot of times, unfortunately, I can go on a website and find a picture of a person for sale in that hotel. As sad as that sounds and as unfortunate as it sounds, it happens more often than not um, if the hotel hasn't signed. And so we will ask them, if they're not willing to sign the Child Protection Code, will you at least train your staff on the red flags of sex trafficking? If you go through the ECPAT USA website, there is a training program you can find for hotel staff. And it's very inexpensive it's so easy for a hotel to do. And so we asked the hotel, before we come in, will you train your staff on the red flags of sex trafficking so that your front desk is looking out for it, your bellmen, your housekeepers, um, your room service um, attendants, so that all these people are looking for some of these red flags, can identify it if they see a problem or if they feel something isn't right, they can call a manager and the manager can contact law enforcement. And so we ask that of every hotel as well, especially if they haven't signed the code. Yeah. Wonderful. And I'm assuming that you have to have staff doing this. This is such a huge, huge project. Um, certainly this has exceeded what a group of volunteers can do, uh, or, or am I making wrong assumptions here? Um, at this point, you know, we get – so much assistance from the U.S. Catholic Sisters. Um, and so at this point, we are doing it on a volunteer business. There are three people that are working for the Exchange Initiative right now, plus the team of researchers um, that we have working on this at well, not just at Washington University, but we also have a team of researchers working on the app. And so the Exchange Initiative will grow. Um, but at this point, we are just using our funding to focus on the app and get that up and running before we move forward with our next projects. And it sounds like eventually you would like to see it as a worldwide um, opportunity to help this situation. Am I, am I absolutely I, uh, would. And yeah. you know, you are absolutely correct. And we have had law enforcement agencies from Interpol to um, from Canada and from South America. I mean, we've had agencies all over the globe contact us asking if um, they could have access to the app, which, of course, you know, we just aren't ready to go international yet. It's, it's so complicated. It's such um, a technical issue to get this international, but I would love to see it go international one day. Yeah, I, I can understand how you would, and and uh, even though we talk about how it's happening everywhere, in some countries it happens more than, than in others, 
uh, or at least we know about it more than in others, I guess. And uh, so clearly it's a worldwide problem. So, okay, how do I get the app? You'll go to your Google Play or your Apple Store. You'll search Traffic Cam, T-R-A-F-F-I-C-K-C-A-M, and you'll simply download it. It's for free. It's a free app, um, and the the reason a lot of people can't find it is because they miss that K in traffic cam. So um, that's the important part. But you should be able to pull it up, download it, and start taking photographs immediately. Okay. And then there's instructions for how to send it, or they automatically go to you? Um, there's instructions. You'll pull up the app, and there will be four icons of cameras. You'll simply push the camera icon, take your photo, do it, for the other three photos, and you hit submit, and they go straight into the database. You don't, it, so you don't really even have to easy. pull up I mean, your camera or download it. Correct. It's yeah. very easy. But I imagine that there are some certain requirements. I mean, you don't just stand in the doorway and go one, two, three, four. I mean, you, what, you have to take a, a panorama or something or what? That, the, nope, the app it's just simple. The app gives you some suggestions. I like to take my pictures of the hotel rooms because when I look at the websites, um, and the photos of the kids on the websites. I like to stand in three corners of the room, three different corners, with the curtains open. I like to get the landmarks. I like to get um, the photographs, the headboard, the lamp, the TV, the desk, the carpet, the curtains. And then I um, put my hand in and poke my head. I keep my head out of the shot, and I take a picture of the bathroom. Um, I shoot it into the mirror so you get as much of it as possible as my fourth photograph because many of the pictures online um, have people in the bathroom as well. Wow. You have opened up an entire world to me that I was not familiar with. And, of course, we, you, know, you have to live in a, a tin can to not know that there's trafficking in the world. But the fact that you know, so many things are being done about it, and this just sounds like a, a wonderful way. Quickly, before we end our show, if somebody wants to volunteer with Exchange Initiative or with Traffic Cam, um, who would they contact? How, do, how would they uh, go about doing so? Um, you can contact Kimberly Ritter at 314-645-1455, or you can contact me at kritter, K-R-I-T-T-E-R, at exchangeinitiative.com. Okay. And there is a lovely website for exchangeinitiative.com, uh, and that's the one where I was, we were, this picture that we were talking about that has all the, the points, uh, the yellow dots on it to, to show how, how they uh, uh, examine the room and how that goes into the database uh, is at exchangeinitiative.com. And that's actually a pretty cool website, I think. Um, Thank you. We've got about. We're also on Facebook about, and. Oh, sorry. We also have Traffic Cam on Facebook, and we have Exchange Initiative on Facebook, which we have really good, informative articles every day. So you should check that out as well. I'm just out in my little town, my little country town, and I've lived here for 400 years, and um, you know I'm really comfortable here. And I just think that you know this whole sex trafficking thing happens in the cities, and it's not something that I need to worry about. What's wrong with that comment? We need everybody to look through a different view, to take a, diff a step back and realize 
that these issues happen. And we cannot continue to run and rescue and run and rescue. Our goal is to not have the exchange initiative and to not need photographs. I would rather prevent this every single day than rescue another girl. And so it's our responsibility to realize this truly does happen in your backyard and that we need to talk about it and we need to be informative and we need to engage parents to talk to their kids so that they are aware that this really does happen. It's a hard talk. You can't shield your child forever. So you're going to have to talk about this and maybe it will prevent the next girl from being rescued. Yeah. And we can't forget that no matter how wonderful our kids are, no matter how smart our kids are, they are still children. They're not fully cooked. Remember, they don't get that way until they're about 25. And their judgment isn't the judgment of an adult. And when young people, when children, I think we tend to think of our children as being all grown up, you know, by the time they're in high school. They're not all grown up. They may have car keys to the car. You may have given them a car. You, you know, they may be pretty independent, but they are still children. And they, are. they need supervision, they need guidance, and they need education about things that they won't believe that you're talking about. Um, so, you know, it, it's something I, I think that we just can't say enough to parents. Um, you know, there's still kids. There's still kids. I, I read an article once that most people allow their children to cross a street, a busy street by themselves when they're like seven or eight. But in fact, psychologically, they can't be relied upon to look both ways mm-hmm. before crossing the street until they're almost 13. That's um, true. But we just make assumptions. Thank you, Kimberly, for being on the show. You have just uh, given us a world of information. It is exchangeinitiative.com and traffic with a K, CAM. Um, and that's a dot .com as well? Uh, correct. Okay. Um, go there, find out what you can do, tell other people about it, and uh, get the app. And when you go to hotels, I'm going to. I'm going to be doing a cross-country trip there uh, not too long uh, from now, and I plan on uh, getting that app, and I'll be, getting, I'll be adding to your 100 pictures a day. We always end the show with a quote, and I think today's quote from Arthur Ashe, who, of course, was a famous uh, tennis player, um, uh, is an appropriate one. Start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. And I clearly, Kimberly, your organization has done that, and it's made incredible progress in the area of uh, human trafficking, and I look forward to learning more about what's going on with the Exchange Initiative in the coming years. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you for listening. Thank Join you. Next time for Three Women, Three Ways. guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.